Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quartz 96 FM and C103. The Arts House. And you're so welcome back to the programme. It's Elmerie Maw and Connor Tallon with you until 10. Hi to Dee, who uh, was texting in. She opened up Work of the Week while you were talking about that earlier on. Oh, she's and, been such a fan. She's great. And I have to say, um, she has given her own rundown on it. You know, she's saying, hmm, maybe it looks like musical instruments rather than medical devices. Uh, <laughs> maybe the artist could have a, a change of career. <laughs> <laughs> a duet of cream crackers. People are kind of coming up with their own variations of collective nouns. Eugene sent in a message to say, here's one for you, Connor, an annoyance of radio presenters. <laughs> Eugene, we don't know where you live. That's the problem. Yeah, it's, it's our place yes, anyway. indeed. Okay, now, uh, this was touched on briefly earlier on in the papers, uh, because this past week, of course, there's been so many reports about the Yorkshire Ripper. And one of the things that people are kind of, aghast at are the millions of hours of investigation and everything but there was nothing holding it all together to the point that he was interviewed and released nine times but we must remember policing pre-internet was just a completely different kettle of fish and that kind of ties into our next guest because RTE on Sunday nights have begun screening a show called Dead Still. It's set in Dublin in the 1800s and it centres around a very particular type of photography with a vast array of characters. Like last week we saw Cork actress Norma Sheehan amongst them as well doing a great job. But one of the principal actors is Cork's Aidan O'Hare. Now Aidan plays a detective in the series and he's had lots of fun with it during the shoot last summer as he shared with Elmarie on the phone. Dead Still. This was shot though last year, wasn't it? It was. It was shot in May 2019 and it was shot around Dublin in all these kind of country houses like Cabin mm. Teeley House, Marley Park, all these manors with massive grounds and uh, we took over quite a few of these like massive palatial places really. Mm. So I played Detective Frederick Regan who is, he's a kind of a bullish character from Cork and he's a part of the Dublin Metropolitan Police and he's come from Cork because he's got a promotion. So he investigates this crime that's happening. And I suppose the premise of the show really is about memorial ph- photography where this character called Brock Blennerhassett is a memorial photographer. And that would be where when a member of the family deceased, they'd get this photographer in to take the last photo as a relic or a memento. And Brock's skill really was that he made the person in the photograph as lifelike as possible. So I would have known his work, my character would have known his work because he had done a memorial photograph of my cousin, Polly Crean. And that's how the story takes off, really. That's where the connection happens. Now, before we get talking about the actual plot line and what's going on, because we're two episodes in, but people can still fall in with it very easily. The whole subject of memorial photography, in one sense, it sounds so macabre, doesn't it? It's something I have seen online. I don't know how I came across photographs of this kind of stuff online years ago. 
But there must be plenty of families around the country who have these sort of photographs in their family archives because for a period amongst a certain class, it was, I won't say trendy, trendy is an awful word to put in it, but it was it was really common and popular. Yeah, it would have been, I suppose, a fad in the 1800s, you know, but it was also quite a sad thing. You know, it, it was the last photograph and it, the, the photographer was called before the doctor or the priest and they were always battling against rigor mortis so that they, they could make the deceased as lifelike. When they posed it, you know, so I've seen real photographs just yeah. for research for the part. But it is a quite a, a tragic thing. You know, someone has just died in the family and they're, they're all dressed up in their, their finest for the photograph. But um, it didn't last very long. I think it was for about four or five years in Dublin. But it was um, a real thing. Yeah. It's such a production to set up the deceased in front of the camera and now, it, you know, the, the juxtaposition of now today where selfies is such an instantaneous mm. thing, you know, where it's just a click. But, you know, the process of setting up the cameras and the light and staging people for that which would take hours and hours and hours and to develop the photograph as well. The other side of it would take days, you know. So um, I was found that fascinating, that part of the story. You know? In the series, though, while you have Brock Benner Hassett, who is doing that just for families, you're there as this investigative character and quite a pioneering idea is what you're proposing. Yeah, he wants photography to be a tool for the law, crime scene photography. He's got his, his sidekick, Roper, who has these sketches and he does these sketches and when he looks over his shoulder, the, the sketch looks absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing like the deceased. You know, it's like a child with crayons. It's that bad, you know. So he's a forward thinker and he sees that, you know, maybe that a photograph could capture what happened in the scene at that time. And he does a chase on with himself to get Brock Blennerhassett on side with his ideas without going giving away too much in the story but that's that's where our relationship sits myself and Brock You know it's it's in a week where we've been talking about the role of photography and DNA and computers and that sort of thing in general policing and investigations and how it's only such a recent thing in our lives and especially when you kind of consider the overall lack of resources that there would have been available back in the 1800s for any kind of policing or investigation we take it so much for granted now I mean during the 1800s nothing pure hunch gut and like literally the material that was there which would have been gone without photographs in a couple of hours and as well you know the character Regan that I play he's very much a reader himself and his wife used to read or read novels and get into the story and that's what kind of drives him Mm. that there's something more because they share a novel and they try to see who actually is the perpetrator Uh of the crime first so that's that's where my character sits. Imogen Murphy is director, is it? But not directing all of the episodes. You did have a change of directors for, for some, wasn't there? We did. We had Craig Wallace came in in the second block and uh, Imogen and Craig have two different energies all together, you know. But it was very much Imogen's baby as well with John Morton. She would have kind of come up with the concept. John would have wrote the scripts. But she had the whole vision of the show in her head, really. But yeah, Craig then came in from Canada and uh, he was a quite a cool guy. He uh, the tempo a lot as well and drove us on. And it was great. It was great. Very two different styles in directing. You've done so much filming on all kinds of series through all various time episodes. What's it like on a shoot like this? Um, it was hilarious from beginning to end. It was, it's rare when all the stars align for a shoot to be good, you know. But on this, I think it, it comes from a couple of people, really. It comes from the director and one of, sometimes the leading actor. Mm-hmm. And both were just two gems, really. Michael Smiley, who plays Brock Blennerhassett, uh, had no airs and graces about him. And I would hear him 
constantly talk to extras and reassure them that, that he's not there to judge anyone on their performance or anything like that. He was there to support as an actor. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that kind of sets a tone of let's do our best for the show rather than trying to impress anyone. We were yes. very much a team on it, you know, from the boom operator to the catering. It was just great crack. I mean, a great summer doing it. And really, and you know, I've worked on things before where there can be tensions with the director and the producers and stuff like that. None of that happened. Producers were on set this time and they'd pass remarks about people's performance that they'd watched in the rushes just to give people a lift. It was, it was a gas from beginning to end. I really, really enjoyed it. You did a lot of the filming in these big country houses or these big estate houses around Dublin, but there are some kind of street scenes and that sort of thing. There's an awful lot of pre-production and preparation has to go into setting something up when you're trying to strip away every possible sign of modernity, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, we, we shot in central Dublin and they had to close two streets. But there's tricks as well of the trade. You know, they might put a, a horse and carriage in front of a water meter or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> they block things around the place or a bale of straw next to something that would be very much modern. And of course, as well, we worked out in Hardmore Studios where they had the back lot out there, which is a Victorian street, which would have been used for lots of shows like Ripper Street and um, it might see even adverts around the place from years gone by. And they did that, dressed that up fantastically for Dead Still. So there you are now. We're two episodes in, as people have seen it. We're into episode three of six altogether and each individual episode tells its own little self-contained story and then there's this other underlying thread running the right way through binding all the characters together. I was saying to you that this was great that this was obviously in the bag and it was screened on Canadian television first because of it being a a co-production with Canada and I said to you, did you manage to get anything else done in this year? And you did in between the two lockdowns. I did. I did. I did this project called Titans which is the story of Henry Ford Chrysler, William Chrysler, Pierre Dupont, and William Knudsen, who I play, um, how they got behind the American war effort when the Americans were really uh, lagging behind uh, on munitions uh, in comparison to Germany. My character was the catalyst that got all these big moguls together to build munitions to help the war effort. It was a fascinating story. I wrapped on that, and then I went on to work on a political thriller called Red Election, where I play a forensic scientist called Freddie Marshall. Uh, he's an English character, kind of an OCD eccentric who's obsessed with kind of facts and figures and stuff like that. So that was very interesting. And I was just lucky to squeeze the two of them in in the, the, the short period. And where were they both shot then? They were both shot in Dublin. Titans was shot in a massive, most of it was shot in a massive warehouse. The History Channel are making it. And it was a, a massive warehouse out in um, Lucan. And then we used, we actually used Marley House, like we did in Dead mm-hmm. Still as well. We used that. Uh, for Pierre Dupont's house and lots of different locations around them. And it was a, a fascinating show. And it was a real big American production and, uh, you know, lots of American producers walking around the place giving their tuppence worth. But uh, it was a, a very interesting and very informative as well. And that's one of the things I really love about taking on a, a job is that, you know, I would have known nothing about that story. And I felt you come away from it having gained another knowledge, should I say. One of the biggest films that people would have seen you for initially when you kind of started breaking into mainstream movies was, of course, in the film Jackie. And again, very much set a, a specific time in history, a specific time in cultural landscapes. It's it's not that specifically you have sought out historical films all the way along the line, but it, it's it's fascinating to be able to immerse yourself into various different periods of history as well at the same time. So, yeah, with Jackie, it was the Kennedy, Jackie Kennedy. And, uh, you know, I would have an interest in that anyway, but... 
you know, to be there on set on Air Force One, standing there with Natalie Portman and she's dressed in that pink suit that she had on the day of the assassination, covered in blood. It's just like a really surreal moment, you know. She also had very much taken on the part where she spoke quite like the character all the time and it was, it was very, very strange. And then later on, in another scene, that was those scenes, interior scenes in Air Force One were filmed in Paris, but the exteriors were in Baltimore in the US and they had the cavalcade where that was going in from the airport into downtown Houston. And I remember just being in one of the big Cadillacs and I just felt like I'd stepped inside a photograph or something. It's incredible, you know. But I found out a lot more about that time in history from being on the film. And the same with the Windy Shakespeare, you know, mm. we were we were very much educated before on the whole side from the English point of view and the Irish point of view. We had lectures before we started shooting and we were taught songs and we were you know, immersed in it by Ken Loach. And there was another kind of, uh, you know, you come away with a learning and a knowledge from these, these pictures, you know. When you were filming and shooting during the summer, then obviously, number one, amazing to get any projects done at all between the two lockdowns. But... I imagine very, very strange procedures and protocols and all that sort of stuff had to be followed. I mean, like we were just getting to grips with social distancing now that we were all allowed yeah. out again. And I mean, did it make filming difficult? It does. It also adds to budgets. You know, they can't they have to ferry people in and out of the set on the room where there used to be a couple of people in a car before that that couldn't happen anymore. But when you're on set, it's done excellently, to be fair. They have a COVID officer who's most the most annoying person on set who goes around and <laughs> starts telling people to stand away from each other. And if your, your mask drops off your nose, you have to put your nose, the mask back up. And he that's his job all day to be correcting people's behaviour on set, which is excellent. But sometimes then when you're actually rehearsing, we would only take the mask off for when we were going for a take. So I remember doing when we were doing Titans, I had to walk into the Oval Office to meet um, Roosevelt and we were going for a take and I walked in and there's the guy playing Roosevelt just with a, a, mask, a yes. mask over his face sitting at the desk you know so um, it, it, it's hard to know when you're, you're shooting or when you're rolling and rehearsing and then the masks are on and they're off and, but sanitising um, you know they'd be very very strict on mm. all that kind of side of things my god but because like they, they talk because about it making money yeah, and, and talk about making the job of continuity a nightmare if everything has to be moved and sanitised every time a character uses, touches or employs a, some, a prop somewhere around the set. Yeah. Impossible. Yeah. I mean, it's very, it's very difficult it's for a lot of people on set, especially for the crew, you know. It's difficult to keep social distancing up, but it, it has to be done. And sometimes I think you're doing a scene and you might just cross the line and COVID, cross the line I mean, regarding space. Um, to the opposing actor and it's it, you know you're, it's a cost you have to step back a bit and we have to go again and, and that was never something that was ever part of working on film before you just oh. have to get used to it it's, um, it's been and challenging in, but In the summer did they ever kind of suggest that you'd have to be in bubbles or quarantine apart from family ahead of time or anything like that? Uh, no not personally no but some of the cast for Titans came in from uh, the UK and they were literally staying in their hotels mm. for two weeks and could only eat in their room. For me, the, both of them were shot in Ireland, so red election and tight, so I, was, I didn't have any anything like as bad as that. You know? When can we expect to see those on screen? And are they, like uh, you said, the History Channel will be for Titans, so presumably they'll be screening that on TV. Yes, they will. And then red election will be next year as well. Um, I would imagine mid-year next year. For and both. then... Um, Hopefully, hopefully things will get back to normal by then. In the meantime, 
back to your role as detective. I love your character. I, I just think it's a gem of a piece that shows off a brilliant side of your range. Are you one of those actors, you were talking about Natalie Portman, who would kind of stay in character in between takes. Do you do that yourself? No, I don't. <laughs> I, don't know. I think I very quickly to shut up even if you were to take it home or anything like that but I, I, I don't um, I was just uh, I learned the lines I trying to give my take on it and trust my instincts as much as I can when I'm in front of the, front of the camera it's kind of how I approach work really mm. you know I, I'd, re- I'd learn the lines and rehearse them and, and then make choices along the way and then that's, a lot of it is I think to do with the director well, not the characterization, but just the guidance. But a good director, you can, you know, the part that person can give confidence to, to you know, to take more risks as well. You know, well, it's working but as far as staying in character. No. <laughs> <laughs> so Sunday nights on RTE, people are tweeting about it every Sunday night, which is great as well to see uh, to see yeah. things trending. So long may it continue. Well, for the next three episodes anyway. The best of luck with it, Aidan. It's so lovely to talk to you. Thanks a million. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Thanks a million. That's Aidan O'Hare and you can see Dead Still, episode three tonight.